Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast, a production from Empowering Pumps and Equipment as the voice of the pump and related equipment industry. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Matthews. I'm so excited to be back with you. I had a great trip to Uganda, and we uh, have so much to tell you about that, but I'll write a blog about that. But today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit um, from our maintenance and reliability world uh, with Andre. Andre, will you jump in and kind of just introduce yourself to the audience? Yes, thank you very much, Charlie, for having me. It's a pleasure and honor to be with you today. Um, so about myself, uh, I was born in East Africa, in Indian Ocean, the Seychelles precisely. Um, actually, I was there last month, so I was not very far from you in Uganda, <laughs> um, same part of the world. So I moved to Europe when I was a teenager. I moved to France, and then I did my high school degree in chemical engineering in France. I think it was John Wilson who mentioned the other day on one of your podcasts that uh, the 90s were not a good time to graduate as a, an engineer or a chemical engineer. So totally correct. So that's why I went back to the Seychelles and the Indian Ocean as, and started my career uh, with a brewing company. So Guinness, you probably had a Guinness before. Uh-huh. So that was it. Yeah. <laughs> so really, it was really great making beer and uh, obviously drinking beer. Um, but very soon, they guided me towards uh, maintenance engineering. Uh, in those days, you were kind of voluntold for a job. You didn't kind of volunteer. They told you where to go. But uh, I embraced this career uh, that was coming my way. So I started working in the field of uh, total productive maintenance. And, and after a while, I decided to move back to Europe where I worked for uh, Intel Corporation, the company that makes the microprocessors. So it was a fast-paced, high-tech NASDAQ listed company and uh, kind of a different approach to work. But uh, I was there as a maintenance system engineer and that's where I got my first overview of a large manufacturing plant with kind of worldwide ramifications and uh, all the aspects of um, equipment maintenance. Um, After that, I moved to Canada where I currently reside. I've been working here for about uh, 20 years in the oil and gas industry. I retired last March, so uh, I am now self-employed and I'm the owner of Cogito Reliability. Um, When I came to Canada, um, just with a thread where we, we went from maintenance earlier now I'll move into the reliability word. Uh, when I came to Canada, this is where I, I met the person who probably had the most influence in my career uh, as a reliability engineer. So uh, the name of the person was Paul Barringer. Maybe it'll resonate with some of the audience here. And he introduced me to the concepts of reliability engineering analytics, the statistical aspects of it. So when I was in Canada, I also did a a part-time degree in the Faculty of Mechanical Engineering at the University of Alberta. And there, again, I took various courses in uh, reliability engineering. Um, So I worked as a reliability engineering 
engineer in Canada for mainly for refineries and later on in pipelines. So many, still mainly in the oil and gas section. Um, I was even given at the stage of my career, I was given the opportunity to set up and manage a reliability team. I am not a manager at heart, uh, really, but uh, I have a lot of respect for people who do this job. It's a, it's a great job. Um, but for me, when my team was up and running, I, I just switched back to uh, an engineering role. Um, so I retired last March, as I said, and I've always wanted to spend my time doing what I like, helping customers out and uh, helping customers move ahead in the field of reliability engineering analytics. So I specialize in uh, reliability statistics and reliability modeling. So the modeling part is so often called uh, RAM modeling, so reliability, availability, maintainability. That's the acronym with RAM. So we build models, and you're probably going to ask me later on what I do exactly. Well, I do have several questions from what you said. Um, the first question uh, that I have is, why did you choose chemical engineering? At the time, it was a, a pretty interesting career in where the the um, the world of oil and gas was kind of starting to boom and and, and also sometimes you have some affinity for a, one subject at, at school versus another one so i because i i really was passionate about chemistry and all the aspects of process engineering so that led me to um chemical engineering i did have a chance as a student to work in Scotland uh, on uh, related to um, uh, oil rigs and stuff like that, so it was I, it was a, it was mainly a, a choice based on the 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 economy at the time and also um, uh, the uh, affinity for uh, process engineering. Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess it's kind of a common common theme um, of, during that time and, and trying to figure out. You know, do we, you know, do you go towards kind of that math and science, um, engineering, kind of that was the story. If you were good in those areas, let's go into engineering. Um, and then just being kind of fascinated from kind of that chemical side of things. And uh, um, my my daughter, actually, she loves it to create a potion. So I always think of that when I think of chemical, but uh, you really love the process side. And I think that that leads to your success in maintenance and reliability. Um, yes. The other question I have um, was like, what is the difference for people between the maintenance and reliability? We always kind of talk about this, uh, but can yeah, you tell yeah. us from your perspective, kind of what, what are the differences there? That's an excellent question. Actually, I was going to write an article about it in the coming weeks. Um, it, it's an important distinction between the functions so for me, having worked in the field of maintenance and then in the field of reliability, I'm able to step back and see what the, uh, what the roles are really and how they interconnect. Um, so basically for me, in, in a very short answer, maintenance, engineering are, maintenance engineers are the people who focus on the short-term short approach to improving maintenance performance. So short-terms is getting the equipment running, doing the day-to-day, week-to-week 
tasks and trying to optimize those uh, those functions or those tasks so that the organization and the overall equipment effectiveness can benefit. Reliability engineering goes more into a longer term approach uh, versus the short term of maintenance engineering. So they they go into more the longer term approach. So they, they're the guys who try and develop the crystal ball for the company. And they look into the numbers and they look into the statistics to try and see what the organ what the, the equipment is gonna perform in the future. So they have this futuristic approach and using statistics, as I said, they can develop this crystal ball. So if if I were to look at the roles from a practical standpoint in an organization or an industry, the maintain, maintenance engineer would be more hands-on, closer to the machine. The reliability engineer would be uh, a little bit more detached and then more an office-based work. He'll be closer to the boardroom. And I always use this analogy. The reliability engineer is the guy who represents, represents the maintenance engineer in, in his boardroom, whereas uh, the maintenance engineer is the guy who takes stuff and from the reliability engineer and applies it in the field. So they are complementary, uh, very important. It's very important that they work together. And just the last comment often people ask me is, how do you become a reliability engineer? And my answer is start by being a good maintenance engineer. And if you want to move on to reliability engineering, it's a great stepping stone. Um, and the other way around would be a little bit more challenging because when you're a reliability engineer, you have to relate to what's happening in the field. You have to know how a pump works, what the failure modes of a pump are. So then you can basically conceptualize this when you're doing your work as a reliability engineer. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and being able to explain those things, you, you have to know it at its simplest form, right? To be mm -hmm. able to explain it to others, which is what you're going to have to do in the boardroom, like you said, to get the culture yeah. to change or the theories of, of what we need to do as far as, you know, overall holistic look at your system. If you can't explain that to people that aren't in the field uh, and get them to buy into it, then you're going to have a hard time implementing that or getting the funds that you need maybe to invest in some higher data-driven or digital technologies, for example. Have you seen um, just in your work, I mean, I love, first of all, that you've retired and still continued creating a, a company as an entrepreneur to to serve uh, this industry. Um, so thank you for doing that and staying, staying around uh, with your knowledge. But have you like, have you seen people adapting more of the digital technology as far as data capturing um, that's going to help them use some of the statistics and things like that? Are they using the digital technologies to collect that data out in the field? So, yeah, it's, that's a very, very good question. And uh, it's a bit of a dilemma. There was one stage when about maybe five, 10 years ago, when uh, the uh, your digital world exploded and then we had access or we were seeking access to all this data. Um, I think that was a great thing, but we came to a roadblock is we might get all this data, but we don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. So it's important not to forget the fundamentals, the, how do I say, the theoretical fundamentals. It's, it's okay to have data, 
but what do I do with it and how do I use it to the benefit of a customer? So I think we're now at the crossroad where we're realizing that uh, we did a great job in getting lots of data, but in order to use this data, we still need people like myself, like maybe yourself, around to be able to crunch this data and then be innovative about what's the next step. How do we use this data to develop KPIs? How do we um, uh, use this data to optimize equipment performance? You still need this human knowledge there, right? But I think I still think this uh, data is, collecting data is important because one of the struggles I've had in my career is access to to good data. When I say good data, it's uh, data which is correct. So we, in, maybe in your field of work, they work a lot with CMMS, the, the computer maintenance well, management I love, system. I, I have to just say before you go on, like you, having me work on the equipment or even figuring out uh, the behind the scenes, you're giving me way too much credit there. Um, I always like to say I know just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> uh, but there's, there is, uh, to your point, a lot of people that have collected the data and don't know what to do with it. And so making sure that we have people that we are teaching them out in the field, that hands-on, that they are working with the equipment, whether that's their end goal or not, yeah. I think is so important. Um, and then I'm seeing some additional like service companies and things like that, that are stepping into this world of, okay, they've been taking care of this equipment a lot. Um, they understand kind of where the failures happened. They they have data to prove like this is what happened in the past and this is how we fixed it. Um, and so looking at some of those service companies too, but to your point, like we have to continue to educate people on the system and how it's supposed to be working. But I, I think the approach is going back to the CMMS and to the good point you just made. Um, sometimes we have issues with CMS. We just they become like a white elephant. We just implement them because everybody has a CMMS. So we have to use it correctly and get people to not put garbage in so we get garbage out. Now, there has been this good companies that you know use the CMMS very well. They put in good info and then they use this info and crafted great maintenance strategies. Others just had a little bit of a white elephant, and there's reasons why they had a white elephant. They had, they had never educated their workforce um, to what was the benefit of putting in a CMMS and getting all this good data or getting people to use this data effectively. But I, I don't think the bad, the, and I want to send this message out there, is if you have a CMMS with not so good information in there, there is still hope. You can still use AI or what we call mach machine learning to try and clean up this data so you can still use it today. So don't don't throw, I was going to say, don't throw the baby away with the bathwater. So it's, it's bad what we have. We're going to throw it away. No, don't do that. There's still hope. So AI and all this data um, opportunities, we have data crunching opportunities, we can still do um, uh, good things with, I was going to say, bad data. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I think that was a great point, the correct data. And then what, you know, using what we have, uh, it was wonderful news, I think, for a lot of people that it's not wasted, that that work and effort that they did put in and they tried, um, we just maybe didn't have the culture 
uh, or the, I can say this because I run off with my vision all the time. I know what the vision is and I forgot to bring my people uh, behind me along. So once we can get the buy-in, this is why this is important, then we can use some of that data. Um, But yes, having the correct data in there uh, makes it so much easier when we're trying to accomplish big things. Um, Well, so, so you're doing this now, you're going into companies and helping them I'm going to take their data and make a plan. Is, is that correct? Yeah. So uh, they come up with a problem statement usually, and they would say, well, I want to build, I have this manufacturing plant. I want to build a model for it. So I will build a reliability model that will mimic the performance of the uh, the manufacturing plant over the next coming years. So it'll give them information, like I'll try and make it simple. It's, What's the expected number of failures on each of your equipment? So that would help them organize maintenance strategies and resource allocation. They can find out how effective the repairs are. Um, are they really effective? Do we get 50% of uh, time back, stuff like that? So that will help them improve maintenance practices. They will know, sometimes we look really deep into the data, the nature of a failure. Is it infant mortality? How much infant mortality? Or is it a nice aging, uh, increasing failure over time? Um, Optimizing spare parts, you know, um, not a model can help them not overstock. No, understock. Understocking is risky because you don't have the spare when you need it. But if you overstock, it's money sitting on your shelf and that will, you know, rot away eventually. And then things like probabilities of failure over time is, for example, I had one day I had a VP asking me, well, I don't have money to repair this equipment. Uh, It survived to date. What's the probability it's going to survive another two years? So you give them this number and then they get, they they put it in a risk matrix or a risk analysis and it helps them make a decision and say, oh, should I find the money to uh, replace it? Or, oh no, I can wait t- two years. So I have time to budget for it. So it's basically having those problem statements and then taking their records, their data and trying to make help them make a better decision for the future, right? Yeah, that made me, for some reason, uh, made me think about my risk management class. Uh, Those in the world of finance, but the risk management and just, you know, uh, if it's a critical piece of equipment, then we we have to have it. So knowing those types of things in advance, projecting and forecasting uh, on when maintenance wouldn't be required, all good stuff and things that we need to be thinking about. So I feel like um, I should just say people that are needing this help uh, to get in touch with you, but what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? So I have a website out there, it's cogito.reliability. I can put it on, uh, I'm on LinkedIn also. My website is cogitoreliability.com and uh, it's you, and I'm uh, Andre at cogitoreliability.com. Uh, so basically, and I'm on LinkedIn. So if you type in, I have a long name, Andre Michel Ferrari. So if you if you type in my uh, my name, you'll find me up there in LinkedIn, and uh, I, uh, I the company is already there, and you can contact me through email. So I'm fairly out there. I also publish articles every week or every two weeks, so you can read about my articles or, or the things I'm trying to share with the community, the ideas I'm trying to share. So. 
I'm I'm out there. If you I think if you go on Google and you type my name, Andre Michel Ferrari, a lot of things will come up uh, with regards to my name and how to get hold of me. Awesome. And we'll put links to that, of course, in the show notes. But I, I want to um, just ask, you know, a couple of questions about, you know, advice that you would give somebody coming into the maintenance reliability space. Um, any anything you would offer them? So I, I think I mentioned earlier, if, yeah, if you want to be a reliability engineer, start by being a maintenance engineer, being close to the equipment, that's good. Um, so I would say, well, try and be innovative, right? It's uh, sometimes try and think out of the box. And then, you know, if, if, if you're a reliability or maintenance engineer or in, your, in the reliability world, look around you and try to find these opportunities for your employer or your customers, right? Everybody at the end of the day is a, is a customer. So I have those records. Like for example, right? I have those uh, really good CMMS records. What what can I do with it? What can, how can I help my company? Who can I work with, right? Um. So yeah. So that's it. This is my my other kind of rapid fire questions for you. Um. What is the best advice that you've ever received? Um. Well, kind of spin this around. Um, I think no, getting a no, some a no or a refusal, it's it's actually not always a bad thing. So you might thank the person later for saying no to you because maybe you've moved on to bigger and better. So that's something that you will find out as you move on in life, that no is not always a bad thing. Also, I think the power, the advice that I've received is the power of role modeling, modeling in someone's life. Everyone needs a, a good role model, especially when you're starting out. So you, Charlie, you're a great role model. So I continue doing what you're doing. And then be adventurous and creative. Seek out opportunities. Um, don't always follow the flock. Don't be afraid to stand out. Um, and uh, yeah, let's seek out those opportunities and uh, don't always choose the easy path out. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, just a little about you. I'd love to know what your favorite music is. Okay, so I, I my favorite music is... <laughs> I play the guitar a little bit. So I'm not okay. going to do this for you. So um, I really, whatever I can play on the guitar is my favorite music. So I love country music, I love folk music, and things like uh, Pat Stevens and stuff like that, right? The Wonderful. Beatles, not really uh, country, but it's rock music, things like that. Things that I can play on the guitar. I love it. I love it. I think I remember from um, LRVS seeing your guitars in the background. Uh, <laughs> in the background, day. yeah. 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 Um, the last question I have for you is just what is your favorite book uh, resource that you would give people? So my favorite book is right now I'm trying to, uh, I'm reading it. Let's show it to the camera there. Oh, oh, you can see it. It's The Psychology Influence of Persuasion. It's basically a book where uh, it, you're trying to, and well, the author tries to understand where, how salesmen get you to buy stuff, right? Not that I want to be a salesman, but sometimes we all confront into it salesmen. So we have to know how they think, but also how to talk to people and try and influence them. Also in, in our job, uh, we try to influence people positively and show them if you, 
you know, if you use your uh, your data this way, that's how it'll turn out. So this is the book that's helping me um, craft the mindset of uh, good influence, not bad influence, but yeah, good absolutely. influence. <laughs> uh, I definitely, I definitely can relate to that. And I, I think that's a great resource. Basically, we say it all the time, everybody's in sales. You have to be able to sell your ideas basically to share it in a way that people want to follow you or get on board with what you're doing. So um, look forward to hearing from you what you learned. And I'm really excited about your company and your growth there. So thanks for being with us today on the podcast. Everyone, um, y'all make sure that you like, share, you know, there's somebody out here that is struggling to find the answer that they need in reliability. And, you know, Andre might be it for them. So please share this with your network, comment and do all those great things that help us show up for other people. Uh, Because we do have some really great people on the podcast. Uh, Andre, thanks for your time today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. Yeah. And thank you so much to you and good luck again in Uganda, all the great work you're doing and then everybody out there. So if you have any issues, you can contact me again. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Andre Michel Ferrari, and my company is cogitoreliability.com. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful wonderful day. Uh, Hey y'all don't forget to share this episode and until next time, be empowering.